Hello, Freedom Fighters. Thank you for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for pursuing a life of adventure and passion and setting up a location-independent business that can support your dream lifestyle. Go check us out at openworldmag.com. Do you want to initiate a life of adventure and start your own location-independent business that can support you from anywhere? Then go check out the new manifesto on lifestyle design, authored by yours truly, Buy Your Own Island, now available on Amazon. It's been called inspiring and empowering and one of the best new books on entrepreneurship. Lifestyle design for 2015 and beyond. Look for it on Amazon or go download the audiobook for free at buyyourownisland.com forward slash audio dash book. So I am super excited today because it's days like today that I feel so grateful for what I do and the chance to interview people like today's guest. His name is Johnny Blair, and once you hear Johnny's background, you'll be excited for this interview too. Johnny left his home of Northern Ireland 11 years ago and has been on a journey around the world ever since. He started a mission to visit 100 countries, and he's closing in on that mark and is, I think, just one shy at 99 countries. Is that right, Johnny? Absolutely right, uh, Danny. Yeah, just yeah, just hit the ninety ninth one last week. So um, obviously, getting ready for um, the kind of cracking triple figures, if you like. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so I just want to welcome you to the show, Johnny. Yeah, thanks. It's it's great to be on. Um, obviously, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of anyone that's in the sort of same situation as me, where you can travel around the world. Um, you can base yourself in places. You can. You know, work from your laptop. You can meet a bunch of people and have a load of different experiences. So um, it's great to finally connect with you um, and be on Open World. Yeah, thank you, Johnny. I'm really looking forward to this. So I'm just looking at your bio here, <laughs> and it's hard to know where to begin. Since you left school in in 1997, and, and you said left school, did you graduate from from school, Johnny? Um, sort of strange situation because Northern Ireland. Um, is part of the UK system. So you go to school until you're 16, for sure. And then when you're 16, you can make a decision to either continue your A-levels. After A-levels, you move into university. Now, I actually didn't choose that path. I actually left school um, when I was 17 um, and went to a local college, uh, which is in Belfast. And I did like a media course there. Um, I don't want to go on too much about it, but I did a media course there, which sort of set me up... uh, with the idea of um, writing about things and um, getting into that industry. And then I actually didn't graduate um, until quite a bit bit after that because I ended up moving to England to graduate. So, yeah, I left school in 97, um, but I actually stayed uh, in my in my home country a, a bit longer than that. Um, so, yeah, I think it was 2003, actually. So it's about six years after that. I was um, in a lot of dead-end jobs, sort of doing different things. And then eventually, obviously, uh, I graduated and uh, headed out on the big world, you know. And so <laughs> you've had over 50 different jobs uh, since you graduated or since you left school. And um, some of these are like barman, ice cream seller, uh, telephone yeah. banking advisor, broccoli harvester. I don't, yeah. know, I, I don't even know this one. Pa- Pyrethrum planter? How do you say that? Yeah, pyrethrum planting. I'll tell you, that was a funny one because (laughs) I was actually working on a broccoli farm and we had a day off and the manager just phoned me and said, "Um, do you want to go and plant some pyrethrum? 
So I had to go on the Wikipedia and look up what it was. Pyrethrum. It's um, basically, it's this like, uh, they use it for, um, I'm, I'm probably going to be completely uh, forgotten what I was doing here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I was uh, I was in Tasmania in Australia, and um, we just I just got asked to do do this pyrethrum planting, which um, is something I didn't really know a lot about. Um, it turns out it's like um, you're you're just planting them, and then they use them for I think it's insecticides and fertilizers and things. It's um, it was it was an interesting job, but obviously when you're on the road and uh, back in those days, certainly you're just trying to get enough money to to keep you going for the next bit, you know. Um, other jobs that I've had are not really linked to that. You just end up doing these things when you go. I've always loved working in bars, so probably through my travels, um, bar work has probably given me the most opportunities. You know, if there's any young people listening to the show or anything, um, you know, if you can work in a bar and you can speak English, well, those are pretty much two things where you're going to travel a lot with them and you're going to be able to get jobs in multiple countries without actually making much effort and also you know it's quite an enjoyable job you know you're you're with people you're you're enjoying it you're making money okay you're not going to become a millionaire unless you own bars but you're actually you know it's a really really enjoyable uh way to travel the world work in bars and um yeah personally from my jobs that i've had before i sort of started working for myself online certainly bar work is the one that that stands out there danny you know do, do you require any special bartending license or anything to get those jobs? Well, or? well, this is the thing that people do need. You do need to look it up depending on what country you're in. Um, in countries like, I mean, for example, in the UK, you need to be over 18 to work in a bar. Um, obviously, it, it can be tweaked slightly. You can go and collect glasses if you're under 18, things like that. Obviously, in the US, you've got different states with different laws. It could be, I don't know, 19, 20, 21, um, depending on where you are in Australia, you need a license. Um, you need it's actually um, it's an RSA. It's like you go to you just go and do a quick course in it. So when I moved to Australia, um, obviously I had to pick up that that license to be able to to serve alcohol and work in the gaming industry because I worked in the the gaming rooms as well. You know, which is uh, you actually require a different certificate for it. So yeah, there is some there is some certificates that you need for it, um, but generally. You know, there's not too many obstacles to overcome if you want to travel the world and, and work in bars, you know. And and what motivates all these different, uh, you take on all these different jobs like pyrethrum planning and bartending. Do you just want to get like a lot of different experiences? Is that what you're after? I actually, I don't have a, a definite answer, but mm-hmm. all I know is that in my life, I've never had one exact job that I knew that was going to be like, the, to use the word career, I never had one job and went, oh, this is brilliant. I've got a new job. This is my career, you know. So, I mean, I worked in a bank uh, um, in Belfast and I just didn't like it. Um, I mean, it was just the idea of, you know, people, the world does revolve quite a lot around money. But the fact that I was working, you know, in an environment where every phone call you're getting is related to money, everything's about, you know, banking and jobs like that sort of made me think, well, I don't want to sit in an office in front of a computer talking about money all the time, you know, and then different jobs that I got gave me different experiences, but there was no, there was no reason for me to just keep moving from job to job. I tried my best to stick to at least a bar job per year. And I think I managed to do that up until just a few years back um, when I was in Hong Kong. Um, In fact, I was working in a bar in Hong Kong, but after that, I got into teaching um, English, which was in Hong Kong. Um, 
So yeah, there's no, there's been no set career, Danny. Um, obviously, my my dream um, has always been to travel the world and write about it. So if you're talking about a career that I would see myself in, that would be it. Uh, but then, having said that, with if I didn't have the experiences of you know working on boats and selling ice cream and serving you know elderly people tea and coffee, these sort of jobs that I've had have have given me the the background and the sort of mentality that I've got that that I can now write about this stuff in that it's really been experienced. You know, I'm actually I'm documenting a journey more than anything on my website. I'm not actually documenting you know necessarily just the best places to travel i'm sort of documenting a, a personal journey which has taken me through all these jobs experiences and and countries as well along the way so so the way you looked at it all these different jobs you did all these different experiences they were all kind of contributing to your overall mission which was to uh travel and experience all this and also blog about it right? yeah i think that's the, that's probably exactly what it was i mean it, basically i've never turned down a job that someone would would give to me, you know, like for example, the, the pyrethrum, or I also harvested echinacea in Australia. I mean, someone just phoned me and said, "Do you want to come and harvest echinacea?" So again, on the Wikipedia, what is echinacea? I've no idea. And then, of course, um, <laughs> I found out what it was, um, and I went and harvested it. So yeah, the, all these all these little jobs have sort of built up. I mean, it's not a steady it's not a steady career, and I've been relying on sort of going from job to job and just being passionate about about working. You know, if someone has a job for me, um, nine times out of ten I'll do it. The one time out of ten I won't do it is, you know, if, ever, if I'm already doing something else or geographically I'm not able to do it. So normally it was just, you know, sort of backpacking through Australia, offered a few different jobs, mm. ended up doing them, um, didn't turn any down. You know, if someone says, do you want to work today? I would always say yes because then the money is immediate and after that I can I can do what I want I can go travel I can go party you know I can go visit my family so it was for me it was always if there's a job there while it's there I'll take it and I'll do it I don't particularly care what the job is you know if it's cleaning toilets um on a <laughs> boat which I once did yeah um you know cleaning up people being sick on the the England to France ferries things like that you know these are all jobs that I I wasn't really caring about um, whether it was a good job or not, or whether people thought it was cool to work in that job, because for me it was just about the experience uh, and the money at the time, and the fact that I'm out there doing something which later on in in my life should stand me in in good stead. You know, I, I believe that people that have travelled um, and had jobs in different countries, I believe that those experiences will actually be more beneficial for them than if they had the same experience in their home country. You know. Yeah, and that's, that's really an interesting perspective, and you're kind of a, a bit of an outlier in this regard because I feel a lot of young people, um, they would look at some of the jobs that you've done and, and they would say, oh, I can't do that. That's beneath me. You know, I, I have a college degree. Uh, I need to find a, a job suited to my qualifications. Um, yeah, and I think, I think it's good. I mean, there's both arguments. I mean, it's good for people to look long-term and think about a career. I, I don't deny anyone the chance to say, look, I'm doing a degree and I want to work in, I don't know, biochemistry or something or multimedia journalism. If, if that's what they want to do, they can focus on that. But on the way to getting there, you've got to get enough money and experience of other things, you know, to get there. You can't just go straight from... Well, I guess you can. Some people have done it. They go straight from university to, you know, a big name job in like London or Chicago or Berlin or somewhere. But 
for me, while you're studying or while you're doing other things, you should pick up, you know, jobs where you might not be your career out of it. You know, you might not, you might be just in it sort of for, because you want the money at the time or you want the, to get, yeah, you sort of want to, you know, benefit yourself with experience, life experience and things. You know, someone's getting a degree and they want to be a politician. I'll say to them, well, go and clean a toilet then. You know, start at the bottom, clean a toilet in the government offices and then work your way up and become the president. You know, there's a there's a big pyramid out there and you can start at the bottom. Um, but who's to say the pyramid's not upside down, you know? Who's to say the people cleaning toilets aren't the intelligent ones and the ones standing in government are the actual... You know the ones that that probably should be cleaning the toilets. You just don't know. Um, but it's um, yeah, certainly if there's young people out there listening, I would say don't have limits, don't have barriers, and certainly don't look down on any job, um, and don't necessarily look up at any job. Let life take you, you know, where it's going to take you, as long as you're passionate about what's actually the the options that are available for you. Any young person out there. If there's an option that comes up and you're not sure whether to take it or not, you know, I, I didn't have that uncertainty. I just went, I'll take it. I, I never had this, oh, I'm not sure I'll do that. You know, take it. And then if it doesn't work out, you've tried it and it didn't work, you know. Um, like I've, I've done jobs where I didn't like them. And then I've just, you know, I've just quit the job and came out and got a different job because you won't actually know unless you try it, you know. Um, that's, that's so I think there's a certain... Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, Danny, I think there's a certain, there's a, a generation of younger people who are a bit more reluctant uh, to actually just try something, you know. That's what I say. There's no shame in if you do something and you don't like it, and but at least you can say you've done it and didn't like it, rather than say, oh, I had this chance to do that, but I didn't. Well, that's the thing. You didn't. So, you know, my advice, if I can give any, is that if you're given an opportunity, take it um, and try it. And, you, you know, you'll see what happens in your life from there. You never know when it's going to open a new door when, in your life when, for when you. When given a choice, take action. I would say so. I, I mean, I would say take it. And even if it's a risk, you know, if it's if, if it's a chance of your lifetime that might not come up again, you've got to take it. Um, and it, believe it or not, that could be something like just getting a job in the local library. You know, from that job in a local library or something, you might meet someone who then inspires you, you might have new friends, you might, you know, you might read a book on your 15-minute tea break, which changes your life, you just don't know. Um, so if there's an opportunity there, um, take it, don't say no. I tend to not say no to things, and I tend to not use the word can't. I don't like negativity. <laughs> you know, I'm a positive person. One other thing, one other takeaway I took from that too was uh, you have everything is also linked to your mission, which was to experience the world and, and write about it via your blog. And and you mentioned that you know if if you're going to be cleaning the toilets, if if that's yeah. the limits if that's the limits of your ambition, uh, you might be stuck cleaning toilets for a long time. But if your ambition is to become the president, then you start with cleaning the toilets with the the desire to work your way up. So it's I think exactly it's, it's real important to have that mission driving you, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's I, I don't know if you're aware of the the English football system in the UK, but it used to be certainly twenty years ago. If you had like a 15-year-old trainee that wanted to be a professional footballer, they would go in and clean the boots and clean the like the shin pads and the uniform of the um, of the the actual professional footballers because they, these were the 15-year-olds going in, you know, thinking that's what I want to be. So I'll clean his boots. You know, one day I want to be this this striker in the football team. You know, um, 
So th- there's there's a way to work your way up, you know. Your ambition can be sky high, but your feet are on the ground, so you've got to you've got to build up to it. Um, and nobody just wakens up one day and becomes, you know, the next big thing. There's always a there's always a procedure of getting there, um, and everyone has a different path in their life that takes you there. But you know, hopefully, if you're wanting to live your dreams and you're believing in them and you get self confidence and self passion, then yeah, you should you should make it to where you want to go. Yeah, it's fascinating. You mentioned football. I actually read an article recently about um, sumo wrestlers and how when they start out, the low-ranking younger sumo wrestlers have to uh, sweep up the the arenas, you know, where they they wrestle. Oh yeah. And they have yeah. to, to scrub the the toilets and and do all of the unpleasant chores. But it's it's all about you know conditioning their minds and disciplining them, and it's an integral part of the training. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, that's an interesting way to think about it because you know, if you're passionate about something, you're going to want to be around that sort of thing. I mean, if someone's passionate about travel writing, what they'll be doing is they'll be reading books, they'll be writing books, and you know, because it's a modern era we live in, they'll be emailing other travel writers saying, "Hey, I like your article," or "Or this, you're branching out." So you're associating yourself with people within that industry. You know, whether it's sumo wrestling. Or it's uh, I don't know. It it could be broccoli harvesting, or it, it could be, you know, travel writing, or starting new online businesses. These sort of things, you know, you immerse yourself in the people that are already are already out there doing it. You know, the sumo wrestlers that are mm. cleaning the sumos. In ten years, they might be the the sumo stars of Japan. So yeah, fair play to them. <laughs> so so basically, you just have this passion or this purpose that's driving you day by day. And, and willing you on to succeed and reach the top, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, I've, I've always had a passion for, um, for doing what I wanted to do in life. I've had the belief in it. There, there's always those down moments where you don't, you know, you're never going to be 100% uh, behind everything. But I'd like to get it at least over 90 that, you know, I'm passionate and I've got belief that something's going to actually to happen and work out. You know, like um, I first, I think when I first moved to Australia, was 2009 and I I actually was down to about $50 like literally had $50 left and I was I was backpacking with a mate of mine uh, Daniel and we were up in uh, the Blue Mountains and I said to him look I've got this I had this job interview if I don't get the job I've literally got $50 so I'll be just running around everywhere looking for a job and then luckily that job came through so it's you know I went I went from having uh, $50 and that was it, you know, Australian dollars. And then suddenly I got a job, got my paycheck within a week and then I started earning money again. So yeah, there's, you got your moments of, uh, uncertainty, certainly when you're, when you're out traveling, but you got to just stick with it, uh, keep focused and, uh, ensure that you're on the right way to, to where you want to be in life. You know, just try and have a goal or a, a destiny that you're creating that, um, that you can be passionate about and, and, and hopefully you'll get there. So, so Johnny, tell me, where is the, the source of this work ethic of yours? Is this a result of uh, your experiences, your travel experiences, or is this something from your upbringing? I, I think it's a mixture of both. I mean, obviously, um, I grew up in Northern Ireland, which I guess Northern Irish people have this sort of mentality where we're kind of underestimated a bit. You know, um, the UK... Uh, as a whole um, likes to concentrate its focus and you know English and Scottish people admit admit, admit it like you know England's the biggest country within the UK so they're going to get most of the publicity but 
you know, Northern Ireland's a small sort of neglected part, if you like, and we've got our political problems and all that. So I always wanted something bigger, you know. I wanted to, to break out of that mould and make sure that I wasn't just caught up in another one of these, you know, sort of Northern Irish, uh, oh, that's that's just Northern Ireland, that's what's happening over there, they're political, um, they're, they're into their politics and they're crazy about church and all that, you know. I think there's a, a belief when I grew up that I was growing up in an, an era where people weren't happy with their lives, people were feeling they needed to cling to a political party or, a, a you know, even a terrorist group um, where I grew up to to sort of feel an affinity with someone or some partner. I'm very proud to be from Northern Ireland um, and I do promote it. Um, but I, I, part of my upbringing did have me thinking about, you know, borders around the world and small countries and, you know, why should I just go to France and Italy and give these places my money when I can actually go to smaller, lesser countries that are similar to where I grew up and, um, I think the work ethic in that is just because you need money to do that. So you'll do everything you can uh, to get it. You know, if if there's when I first moved to England as well, it, it was just, you know, within a day, I was just looking for a job so that I could I could actually work. I could meet people, you know, I could have new friends in England. Um, and it, it just sort of developed from there. I don't I think it's something that's in you. You either have it or you don't have it. And you won't lose it. You know, I'll always want to work. You know, people still ask me if I want to, to come and work in a bar. And I won't uh, say no uh, unless it's, you know, time and geography. At the minute, the time is the problem because I'm, I'm working a lot uh, for myself online, obviously. Um, geography, depending on where I am. But Okay, I so think, Johnny, take, take me back. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but take me back to yeah, 2003 right. uh, when yeah. you, you started this journey. When was the moment that... Uh, you realized that this this was the life you wanted, that you were just going to travel uh, indefinitely and just live this nomad life? There was a few moments. The, okay. the very first, um, when I left Northern Ireland, I actually left by boat. I left by ferry. Right? I mean, most people fly. I just I just went down to Rosslare and got a, a ferry over to Wales and to the south of England. And when I first moved into my new flat there, I actually, I had lots of new friends that I was getting. I had a job. Um and within a month, I knew that I would stay there for at least a couple of years. Um, but within about seven or eight months, I had a job selling ice cream, which was um, it's quite a quite a good job actually. Because in the south of England, believe it or not, the sun comes out in the summer, and people actually buy ice cream. So uh, I started selling ice cream uh, for the council actually in their their wee huts down by the sea. And um, in that job, I actually went into work one day and there was like 20 new people working and they were all from different countries, Danny. It was like, where are you from? Colombia. Where are you from? Spain. Where are you from? You know, Angola. And I met people from, I, I remember one time I was working, there were six of us and we were all from a different continent. And I remember thinking that's really inspiring. And these people that I worked with in those days, um, Obviously, with Facebook and that, I'm able to keep touch with them. I've traveled. I've stayed with my Colombian mate, you know, in his actual farm in Colombia now, and I used to sell ice cream with him. Um, the same thing happened with a few of the other guys um, from those days. You know, I've met up with them traveling around the world, but there was that realization that the world isn't as small as your bedroom, your hometown, your home country. The world's a lot bigger and there's cool people in every part of the world. There's nice people everywhere to be met and, you know, they want right. to have experiences with, you know, cultural 
cultural differences is what makes me tick as well. You know, people are not the same. Um, every country you go to, every city maybe, every town maybe, every shop, everywhere you go, people are individual, but they're shaped by a certain culture. Um, and within that culture, you've got just amazing, incredible people. I, you know, I'm so I'm so glad and I feel quite, you know, happy that I've, I've just met people from so many different countries in my life. You know, it's it's the people um, and the places that, that have made the journey what it was. That's one of the greatest rewards of traveling is that you gain that new perspective uh, when you get to meet these people face to face and not just listen to what you hear on the media or uh, what other people tell you and, and actually experience something different for yourself. Yeah, totally right. I mean, there's there's nothing better than, you know, checking into a hostel and there's like, you're, you're in a bed in a dorm and there's three other people in there and one of them just says, hey, do you want to go out for a drink? And then it's like, it develops from there, you know. Some of these people have actually met, you know, in a in a dorm or in a hostel or at a party or something and they end up becoming your, like, best buddies for, like, a couple of months or, or even longer, you know. I mean, I met up with a mate there in Sweden, like, two weeks ago and I, li- I used to live with him in Australia. I hadn't seen him in five years. So, you know, these sort of experiences that you get, um, with the people you meet, they're making they're making you happy. They're making those people happy. They're giving cultural diversity to countries that may not have experienced it before. And you know, hopefully, it'll make the world a better place if um, if the politicians and governments of these places would actually, you know, do a bit more uh, do a bit more of the sort of things that that the younger ones are doing and branching out and opening doors and not being so strict about things. You know. Um, yeah, it's a free liberal world and it's 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 great that we can just go and, you know, meet people from so many different cultures and, and varieties at the drop of a hat. Yeah, I, th- I definitely think that travel is one of the uh, most worthwhile pursuits and also the, the finest education that you can ever acquire as well. That's right, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it's an education, isn't it? I mean, right. you know what it's like. You, you, you move to a new country and you're getting educated for free just by talking to people. Yeah. And, and if so, you haven't if you haven't traveled, then you you don't really understand what you're missing out on, and and you're really lacking that perspective and uh, that extra vision to look at the world differently. Yeah, absolutely right, Danny. Yeah, totally agree. So so tell me a bit about your journey since you began. Um, what what has been the? I, I guess I can talk about highlights or low points, but I mean, what's kind of been keeping you going? Um. The the highlights. Let's go through. I'll go through a few highlights, and then I'll okay. sort of I'll get into what's keeping me going. But the highlights were whenever I would when I looked at a map and I went, oh, I've never heard of that place. I'll have to go there. Um, sort of, I, I would just pick places that I hadn't been to, um, and I'd go there, experience them, um, and see what I take from them. Um, and you know, over the years, I've been to places that I mean. Some people have heard of these, some people won't. Some people won't have been. So some of these places will be like um, Belarus, uh, the Republic of Ujupis, like Palestine, Ethiopia, French Guyana, uh, El Salvador, um, northern Iraq, parts of China that are really outback and obscure. And these sort of places are the, the places that I'll remember most because there were less other tourists there. It doesn't mean to say those are the best places because... Maybe there's a reason why there weren't other tourists there. Maybe it's not well promoted 
or maybe actually it's just me thinking they're amazing. But I think you're caught up in what you're in. You're caught up in the moment of that time of where you are. Um, so with that in mind, the, the best places would be... Um, I loved Taiwan when I first went there in 2009 because uh, basically... Um, one of my best mates was was living out there as an English teacher and he had some friends that were Taiwanese and they would take us around the island showing us this really, these obscure spots that we'd never been to where I'd walk down the street and I'd be the only foreign person there. It'd be so obvious. People would be coming up and laughing at me or taking photos <laughs> of me. And th- those moments just can't be replaced, you know, and that yeah. that's just... Um, th- so that's Taiwan's a big one. Um, I, I love Australia, Taiwan, by the way. I, I just want to add to that. That's cool. What, uh, did you enjoy it? Yeah, there's, uh, there's a reason why it's called the, the Beautiful Island. Yeah, uh, it's amazing, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's a, a beautiful place. I, I'll go back sometime, um, definitely. Great um, culture, too. There's, there's, just very warm, friendly people. Yeah, and not a lot of foreigners, Danny. Is it, yeah. is it still like that? Yeah, it's, um, it's still quite, quite remote because you have to fly there and back. You know, there's not that many boats that go out there and back, you know, for, for tourists. So... A lot of travellers, they'll just fly in and, you know, if they can go overland somewhere, they'll take the lazy option and go overland. So it's going to be like China, Thailand, Vietnam. They're all easier to get to. So, yeah, Taiwan's a bit out there, but it's a beautiful place and well worth seeing. So that's definitely one of my highlights. I'll have to pinpoint Australia as well, though, um, just because I met so many cool people and had great jobs in Australia. I worked in an Irish pub in Parramatta in uh, on the western edge of Sydney, and that pub was just totally inspiring i met i must have met about a hundred people over about a year and a half period that i worked there and you know all those people influenced my life hopefully i might have you know had some impact on them as well and you know i met one of them like last year in brazil who's out there for the world cup and yeah keep in touch with these these people that i worked with um in that pub which was uh, pj's irish pub in Parramatta, and then also um, John, through do you, working, do you, yep. sorry, I interrupt. Do, do you find that uh, you are able to change other people's lives uh, where you go and with the people you meet? Are, uh, are you able to influence them? I, I don't know. I mean, that's up to the individual people whether or not <laughs> they think they've been influenced. But I think what I like to bring to other people when I go is, mm-hmm. you know, I like to have a conversation about about their lives and my lives, and you know, interact in some way that might make them think oh, you know, where's he from? I mean, there's a, a, a big talking point, I guess, with me is whenever I tell people I'm from Northern Ireland, they always say to me, oh, that's Ireland. And then when I explain to them the political situation there, they're quite intrigued by it. So I'd like to think that um, I've done a bit of promotion for, for Northern Ireland um, on my travels, you know, pu- purely because people think that Ireland is just one island with, with one country. And I've actually, I've had people that have come up to me and went, oh, that's really fascinating. I've started to research that. And they looked at when the island was cut into two countries and the political situation within, you know, the UK. And, you know, you got the Ireland being the Catholic state and all that. And, you know, I guess if if I want to, to influence other people's lives, I'd like them to learn a bit about the history of where I'm from, really, you know, rather <laughs> than the actual, the person. Um, because it is an education, yeah. like you say. I mean, I've met people from... Um, from Catalonia and you know I've been to like Barcelona and and Valencia and that and people in those cities will not say they're Spanish they'll say oh we're from Catalonia 
And it, it's quite interesting for me because when you look on a map, you just see Spain and you just think the whole thing is Spain. There's no dispute. And then you realize that these like breakaway sort of states or, or separate, you know, if, if they want to be separate countries within uh, the kingdom that is Spain. So, you know, these are the yeah. things that that actually, without meaning to, you're probably you're probably influencing other people's lives. Um, and hopefully it's a good thing, you know, for world peace. I mean, <laughs> I'd rather have people from different countries interacting with each other and then looking things up on, on the Internet to actually see, oh, yeah, I met this guy from, you know, such and such a country. Let's look up about that country. Oh, he's from there. And then maybe one day those people will be that inspired by the conversation that they'll go and visit that country. Um, and, yeah, I've had some friends visit visit my home country. So, yeah, sorry, Danny, what are you going to say? No, I said that's a very fascinating point that you just uh, brought up. I mean, if you look at a map or you look on a Wikipedia page, you never kind of uh, you never get insight into all those different dynamics or uh, those rivalries or, or the different things between different communities. Like uh, just thinking about, I'm from Southern California, you know, and, and yeah. somebody might say, "Oh, it's the U.S." You know, it's all the same. But I mean, yeah. we, we have a rivalry between Southern and Northern California. We have a rivalry between. Southern California and Arizona, you know, we call them Arizona, we call them zonies because they come to our beaches and just oh, yeah. uh, flood everything. And, and, and so you don't really, you don't really see those, uh, those quirks, I suppose, unless you really, uh, get out and experience and talk to people. And it's, it's endlessly fascinating, I think. Yeah, it is. I mean, you've probably met a lot of people from like, you know, Mexico and Canada as well. And there's, there's rivalry within the, the actual countries as well. So, yeah, there's there's lots of different things um, that influence it. Um, if we just get back to, I was telling you some of the highlights um, sure. from my travels. Um, so obviously the the Australia thing opened things up quite a bit for me, and it was it was through earning money in the broccoli farm um, in Tasmania. That was what gave me the money when I checked my bank account one day. I went, well, I'm going to book a, a trip to Antarctica. So I had this money saved up, and I just said, well, look, I'm not doing anything. I'm living in a tent. Uh, I'm spending hardly any money, um, and I've got the money now to book a trip to Antarctica, so I'm going to find the cheapest uh, bed uh, on a boat that goes to Antarctica, and I'm going to pay for it, and I'm going to go there from Argentina. So all I did was I spent the money straight away. I booked a trip to Antarctica and a flight to Argentina. Uh, That was, you know, I was from Australia at the time. Um, So so you were living in a tent to save money for a trip to Antarctica? Yeah, there's there's a bit more to it than that. It's quite quite a quite a long winded story, but you okay. you know people if they do want to read the whole story, they can they can see it on my blog. Um, but uh, yeah, I was I was offered promotion if you can get promoted on a broccoli farm. I was offered promotion, but I would have to move to the middle of nowhere, which is this mountain village called Poatina. So I come up with the idea that um, I had a car, you see, um, and the car was quite a cheap one. It was like just over a thousand Australian dollars. So I drove there. Um, and either I slept in my tent at night or I slept in my car and I spent hardly any money on food, you know, for like two or three months. I wasn't even I wasn't even using the Internet. I would call into the library like once, I think once a week just to update my blog and uh, Facebook and email people. That was about 2010. It's actually gone back five years. Um, so back in those days, um, the idea was to to sleep in a tent save the money and then just whack it all on to one big massive trip to Antarctica uh, and just prove that I could visit all seven continents, you know, as a, a barman and a broccoli cutter and that it's not about <laughs> being rich, 
you know it's it's not about being the richest person because you know i've had people message me that are a lot richer than me in terms of money um and they'd actually just say to me oh how did you afford to go to antarctica is it not expensive and i'd be like well yes it is expensive but it depends on what your goal in life is you know at that particular time i focused my entire goal on Antarctica. And then from that, I went back to working in a bar um, and I was able to save enough money to go around South America as well on the same trip. So I ended up doing uh, about three months, three and a half months in uh, in South America and Antarctica. Um, and yeah, at the wow. time, um, I was nothing more than a farmer um, <laughs> and a barman. Um, so if, if I can do it on that budget, I think the limits are, are endless. I think other people can do it as well you just have to to look at a way to do it you know you might be eating broccoli and potatoes and the cheapest meat for a month but it might be worth it you know <laughs> so, so the difference between you and those people who email you who are wealthier than you is that you just simply you want it more right that's the main difference. i think it is yeah but it's also danny you know what people are like when they've got a job and they say oh i've only two weeks holiday to take and you're thinking to them well why have you only got two weeks holiday to take why not ask your boss can you have four weeks holiday to take? What's the worst that will happen? He says, no. You know, you might as well yeah. see what you can do. Or, you know, or what about you quit your job and then you don't actually have to worry about those two extra weeks that you couldn't have, you know. Um, you could even ask for six months off to travel, you know. I had a mate in Australia who took time off from his job to go to Australia, experience the world, and then he went back to the same job. And, you know, it's not... It's not black and white. It's not a case of it's either this or it's that. It's not, oh, you can't have your four weeks to go backpacking, you know, if you're working in a, a high-end job in, in London, just to use an example. You can do it. You just have to work out a way to do it. Speak to your manager nicely. You know, become the manager. Buy the company. There's so many different ways. Um, but, yeah, it is all about want. It's about want, desire, passion, lust. If you want to do that, um, there's nothing stopping you. You know, what, what's going to stop you? Your health, your time, and your money. You know, yeah. it's it's it gets comes back to those three important things, which are the most important things in most people's lives anyway. You know, well, I think I think so, also Johnny, the the thing that seems to be holding people back is mental. Um, we have yeah. these mental restrictions, and where do you think those those restrictions come from? Um, I've got a few ideas. One of them is probably the society they're brought up in. Um, Another one is, you know, maybe parental or family pressure in that, you know, you've got to conform. Um, uh, another one is friends, you know, if you, I've got friends that are married with children and, um, you know, these are, if, if these are what the people around you are doing and suggesting you do, you'll want to fall into the same thing because people don't like to go off and do their own thing. They feel as if, the, you know, they're breaking the mold of society but how do you know that you're not the one doing the right thing and that the rest of society is doing it wrong? There, there, to me, there isn't a right and wrong. But the, this, the schooling system in countries certainly gears you for, you know, getting one job, staying in one job all your life, getting married, having children, having a mortgage, having a good car. And that's for a lot of people, that's aspirations. They may well be my aspirations at some point as well. But right now, I'd rather be out exploring the world, seeing the world, um, writing about it, meeting more people, and not worrying about whether I can get two weeks holiday to go somewhere or whether I can't, you know? <laughs> so, so if someone is feeling that pressure from uh, society and they're stuck in that mold, um, you know, stuck in that job with a two-week holiday, 
How do they break free from that, Johnny? What's what's the ac- action that you recommend? Well, I think if they have a mortgage, um, obviously they can rent it out. Um, I mean, it depends if you're thinking of physical barriers. Like physical barriers might be a car, a mortgage, and a, and a job. Mental barriers are are just whether you want to do it. You know, maybe maybe test it. Some people might be good, you know, just to test it. So take a week away. So just say you get a week's holiday. So take your week's holiday and go and hike up a mountain in Malaysia or Guatemala or somewhere. So take your week away. And then when you get back from that holiday, that's the time to actually think, well, did you enjoy that week? Would you like that week to be a year? Can you afford that week to be a year? Once you get over the mental barrier, um, the realization you can do it, the other barriers will will fall into place, you know. And the other barriers you're, you're talking like mortgages, cars, money, and um, people with families. You know, there, there's there's families around the world, as you know, that are are traveling around the world, writing about it as, as a family travel blog. So families can do it as well. It might not be the most stable way to bring up a family. Not that I'm recommending it to anyone, but it can be done. There's ways around it, you know. You seem you seem to perk up a little bit when you're talking about this. Is this something that you often uh, consult with people about? When they, do they come to you and, and say, Johnny, I want to do what you're doing, but uh, such and such, and you give them advice? They reach out to you for advice. I've had yeah, I've had quite a few people that are going through ruts in in their life, and they maybe want to think of something, uh, a way to get out of it. I mean, I, I've been in the same situation myself, where I've worked in London for a busy job for a year in a PR office, and but I took my holidays. You know, if I had a, a three-day break, I would I would go to Denmark or, you know, back to Northern Ireland. I would I would make use of those holidays that I get. I just think that people need to make use of the time and the the freedom that we have in this modern era. You know, it's a massive, massive world out there. I, mm. I you know, any anyone that's got um, a really good job in London and doesn't want to forfeit that, that's perfectly. You know, that's perfectly fine, of course, because that's where your destiny lies. But you can't then say, oh, I wish I could do that, but I'm stuck in London. Well, you're not stuck in London. You want to be in that job. That's why you're there. You've taken the job because you want it. So your desire has to to be stronger um, to get out there and see it. Um, but maybe that, maybe I'm the, the crazy one. Maybe it's not, it's not cool to, to backpack through 99 countries and eat all these different foods and take boats across borders and, you know... <laughs> Get your bags lost in Turkey. All these types of things, you know. It's uh, I don't know who I don't know who's right or wrong. There might be people listening who are just laughing at me, going, "Oh, this is an this is an idiot. This is an idiot here traveling the world." But <laughs> you seem, um, Johnny, you seem very calm and confident now when you recollect about these experiences. Was it always this way? Um, it's not always, Danny. You know what? The, the journey is up and down, right? Any journey in life is up and it's down, and you've got your your good and bad moments, you know. My my good moments are that I've got all these amazing memories to tell people so far from my life of places I've been and, you know, moments I've enjoyed and jobs I've had. They, they, they've all been absolute, you know, blissful moments. Um, but you got your... I mean, I've been lying in the corner of a gutter in um, Stepanakert, the capital of Nagorno-Karabakh, like basically hungover and not able to leave the country because no minibus driver or taxi driver would take me because it was I was hung over you know you've got your bad moments I've got the moments where I've been sacked by a job or the moments where I've had no money um so it's not all can, um, can you articulate how, how you felt during those low points can you tell me what what was going on through your mind how did you feel 
Yeah, at the time, I mean, when you're feeling down, there's there's no real way to get to get through it. You've just got to motor on. Um, mm. If it's something you've caused yourself, like the, the night that I, I drank too much brandy, that was my fault. So to get through that, I just blame myself for it. Right, it's my fault. Okay, you'll get through it. Um, bide your time. When it's some was something beyond your control, um, like you know, when a girlfriend split with me, something like that. That's beyond your control. You have to then. You have to then just confide in your friends. It's really, it's the only way through, I think. Um, friends and family will get you through it and then perk yourself up. Um, and on the other side of the hill, there'll, there'll be a, a sun shining because you just had a bad moment. There's a quote, um, it's a dropped stitch in life's tapestry. It actually comes from a British TV sitcom, but something like that, you know, these, th- th- you're, you're, you're doing something and, then, you know, it's snakes and ladders, isn't it? You're up and then you're down. And uh, these low points are ultimately what makes a journey too, though. I've written about all these bad things as well that have happened to me or that might happen to other travellers, you know. You might not get a certain visa. You might get robbed at a border. These are things that really happen on this planet. Um, And if I can write about the good and bad, um, that's that's developing, you know, a a story catalogue of my journey, which hopefully some of it might actually help other people that are traveling too, because um, there there will be there will be bad moments out there as well. So you're a survivor. Well, I'm still here. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. I guess it's it's a case of um, once you're out there, you're you're just out traveling and venturing, and you'll wake up one day and you won't know what you're going to do. You know. So to get through that, you've just got to make sure you're, you're well planned. You, you kind of have a rough idea of where you want to go, what jobs you want to go to, who you want to be your friends, and you'll get there. I don't really think there's any, you know, correct uh, method of doing it. It's up to the individual. Um, again, if you want something, you'll go out and get it. It's, you know, life, life's, running, life's running out. There's another quote. I was actually thinking of a quote there. What is it? Time's running out the door you're running in. That's it. And it's by Echo and the Bunny Man, their lead singer, Ian McCulloch. So there you go. Time's running out the door you're running in. So take advantage of the the time that we have and the lifestyle that you can create for yourself in this free and liberal world for the most part um, <laughs> and get out there and see it because it's, it's bloody good out there. Yeah, I agree with you. There's never been more opportunities uh, to do or go wherever you want to than we have right now. And you touched you touched on a few of the things that uh, hold people back, both physical and mental. Um, and we also talked about what what people are afraid of. You know, the fear that holds people back a little bit as well. Um, yeah. What What do you think people are afraid of exactly? Um, perhaps. Uh, people want to be at home with their friends and family and are a bit worried about perception or what might happen when they leave behind something that's already good. Now, there's no doubt when I left behind my friends and family, I knew I was leaving behind something that was good. But I also knew that that's something that was good. I could still have that if what was out there was not good. So if people are are really, you know, have this perception or this fear about leaving a good thing for what may not be a good thing, the only advice that I could even say would be, you'll never know unless you try. You get out there and see it. You know, you might not get tomorrow. So if if you're not going to get tomorrow, 
um, you might as well live it for today. You know, don't stop living. Today is today is the last day of your life. It's also the first. It's both. Um, so go and enjoy it. Um, and if there's a happy place where you already are, that should always be there. Create create a system where this happy place where you already are will always be there. So if it's friends and family, tell them, look, I'll go away for six months. I'll see you in six months. You know, have a going away party. Come come back having a coming back party. Or have a I'm never coming back party, but I still love you party. You know, <laughs> there's other, other ways to do it. But you, you still have something to fall back on. And like you said, don't stop living. Yeah. And but, if, uh, if presented with a choice to take action, take it. Exactly, yeah. The the opportunities that fall in your path, you know, you never know when you'll meet someone who will change your life or, you know, something small will just impact on you in a bigger way than you could have imagined. Um, and you'll never look back into the sunset. <laughs> so, so if you could break down this whole process, uh, everything we talked about into steps, um, yeah. how, how would you do it, Tony? What would you, what would you be your advice? Um, I think you need to have some of it planned and some of it has to be spontaneous. So the planning is okay. if you have a step that you want to graduate and then spend a year traveling, you know, write it write it down or, or make a definite plan and that's what you're going to do. And then plan, well, if you're going to go away, where are you going to go? And what are you going to live like? Are you going to live like a luxury person where you're staying in three or four stars or even five? Um, or are you going to live in hostels or camping or are you going to hitchhike, you know? So have a, if you're, if you're really wanting to get into, to the traveling idea, decide on a time scale and decide on a rough plan of where you're going to start. You don't have to know where you're going to end. You just have to know where you're going to start. So get that first flight booked, get the first boat or train booked. You know, you can travel within your home country, go for a weekend somewhere. Um, <laughs> So it starts with, with asking uh, good questions of yourself, specific questions. Yeah, and just test yourself, you know. Mm. See if you can survive for a day on your own, then make it a, a fortnight, then make it, you know, a month, then make it a year, then make it a decade and be crazy like a few of the uh, the travel bloggers out there. But um, <laughs> So second, you start, start small, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Every single journey is, is started with the, the, the one step. You know, the, the very day that I left... Northern Ireland in 2003 and you tapped me on the shoulder if you'd have come up to me and tapped me on the shoulder and went hey Johnny in like 11 or 12 years you'll have traveled to 99 countries you'll have had 50 jobs and you'll be writing about it I'll be like well I'd love to be but who knows if it'll happen you know and the only way to, to create it is to actually um to make it happen for yourself and you let the world around you uh, embrace what what you're giving to them and take what what you can get from from the world, you know, experience-wise, or just people you meet and places you go. If the old you could see the new you, what would he say? I don't know. That's a tough question. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Now, the thing is, though, I would probably say spend less money on impulse buying. Um, I, I guess one of the things I used to do was I used to buy things on impulse. Like you go shopping and I'd buy a new shirt or a new pair of trousers. I don't do that anymore because it's I'll not get any benefit of it. But now if I'm out shopping, my shopping will be, oh, I'll buy a train ticket or I'll buy a bed in a hostel you know, for a night. So I think I would get rid of the, the wasting of money. I, and I, I will use the word wasting. To me, buying shirts and you know, even CDs and things that I used to buy, 
at that time, it seemed like a good idea, but they're, they're a waste of money. Um, so if I could tell the younger me uh, some advice, I would actually say, don't buy that. I'd walk into the, the shop and say, don't buy that. You could spend that on a train ticket. You could have two weeks in Taiwan for the price of a mobile phone. Which would you rather have? Now, I know what I'd rather have, but it's up to other people whether, you know, they they agree um, with with my judgment. But, yeah. <laughs> there was, there I, was I just, another guest on this podcast. Uh, I'm sure you know him, Johnny Ward. Yeah, I know him well, yeah. And, and he said basically the same thing. He's like, keep, keep your costs down because you don't need anything really. Yeah, the thing is, you know, I actually, I like to spend my money in, in a new country on, you know, food, beer, um, you know, accommodation and the odd museum and things. But you can actually see cities for free. I mean, I'm sure Johnny Ward would agree with me because he's done a hell of a lot of traveling um, and he knows that you get to a new city, you don't pay into stuff. Like, you, you just walk around. You've got, you can walk into markets, you can walk into churches you can walk up hills, do hiking. You can meet local people in bars. You know, how much does it cost to buy a beer in any given country around the world? You'll never pay more than, you know, especially in Asia, you pay a few dollars for it. Even in Northern Europe, you pay maybe up to $10 max. The people that you meet from, you know, buying a coffee or a beer or some food, um, that's all really you need to spend in your day is to have enough money to eat and to move on and to sleep. Um, all the other stuff, you don't need to spend a lot of money on it. You don't need to buy a thousand T-shirts to wear for one a day for the next three years. You're never going to wear them all. Um, so, yeah, just it's a lot easier to travel. I mean, I, I spend I spend less money um, traveling the world than I would if I stayed in the same place. I actually spend less at the moment. And that's because I don't have any bills. I don't have any mortgages, cars, any rent to pay for a flat. You know, I don't have these outgoings that are constantly, you know, banging in my head and my bank accounts. I, I, my outgoings are money that I'm spending on travel most of the time. Um, and that's, that's what makes me tick. That's what, what makes me believe that, you know, as a, as a younger person, I perhaps made those mistakes um, and now, if I was that young, I wouldn't waste the money on it anymore. And I don't. Um, I spend my money a bit more wisely on the things that I want uh, and the things that are giving me more pleasure and more experience and obviously stuff to write about as well to so benefit others, comes, hopefully. <laughs> so it all comes down to priorities. Would you rather have a wardrobe with 1,000 shirts or would you rather use that money to visit 10 countries? Yeah, and I think you know my answer to that already. Um, I do the countries, um, but one, the thing is, though, once you've done all the, once you've done all the things that you want to do that are are things that you need to move to do, like traveling, right? You can then go back to the comfort later in your life if you have the money, and you can then go and waste money on a thousand shirts. You know, there's no reason why. In fact, I, I probably actually have built up quite a collection of shirts now because I've traveled, but. It's it's a case that at that time you're thinking that the shirt is the most important thing in your life, or a pair of jeans, or a pair of shoes. You know, I've I've gone through shoes that I've hiked in that are not not they're not important anymore. It's just all that I needed was something on my feet. It doesn't matter what brand it was or how much it cost. I just wanted something on my feet to do a bit of hiking. You know, these are the these are the things you do need to look at. You do need to consider where you, what you're wasting or. 
you can spend on the things that you really want that make you more happy and that you definitely get a lot more benefit out of. Awesome. So, Johnny, tell me a bit about your uh, blog and some of your other online business activities. Yeah, so the blog, um, I'll tell you, the blog actually started 2007. Um, I was in Toronto and I was in a hostel there and I met, there was a guy from England called Lee and then there was another guy called Mike and he was like, he'd been out in Australia for a year and he had was on his way back to England via Canada. So it's two English bloggers and then in the same week I met a Brazilian blogger. Um, and when I started talking to them, they were basically just documenting their travel stuff. But they were doing it on a computer. I was doing mine on a piece of paper. I was just writing down, you know, how much I spent, um, where I went, what price it was into certain places and who I met that day. So then I said, well, if I can work out how to use Blogspot, because it was on Blogger, the, the, my first platform, um, I'll be able to type this up and put it on the internet. So I started doing that. And then gradually that built up to the point where I realized it was too big to be on Blogger. It, the, the blog was just, I was actually having to pay money just for my photos that were stored on there because the, the blog had become so big. So I converted it to um, my own platform and self-hosted it. And once that site was there, I then promoted it a lot more. You know, it was it was more a case of sharing it on Facebook, um, sharing it on Twitter, putting my YouTube videos up, contacting other bloggers, contacting other companies, doing interviews for other blogs, um, doing articles for other websites. How long you know, did a it lot take, of, sorry, John, how long did it take until you were able to uh, earn enough money via this blog and all these activities to support your travels and support your lifestyle? It all depends on the person. If you're really, if you're, if you're really good at um, at computers, you'll do it quick. There's no, there's no doubt about it. You can, you can get, you can become a, you know, you can become a an online entrepreneur easily within a year. For me, it was a lot slower. It was a very, very gradual journey. The blog started 2007. By 2010, still probably not that many people reading it, but I was still updating it, like you know, maybe ten times a month at that point. Uh, maybe maybe more, um, but I was I was just documenting my journeys, and it was only my friends and family would ever have read it. And then people were telling me, "Oh, I found your stuff on Google there." So once it started coming up on Google, I realised that there's a few more people um, interested in it. And then I was getting emails from people, you know, "How can I get a job in Australia in a broccoli farm?" People just emailing me, and I was like, "Okay, <laughs> here's how to do it." And uh, it just got to the point where I felt that I was putting a lot of hours in but getting no financial reward um, from the website, which in any job in the world, you need to be earning money. So, again, it was just a, it was just a travel blog that was maybe quite good information but not really going anywhere. So I just started promoting it a lot more. So that was about five years, I would have said, from 2007. Um, yeah, for me, it was a gradual, long-term process, which is, is now paying... Dividend. So it's been about three years now where it's actually um, it's had a bit of more of a readership and a bit more interaction, a bit more promotion. And probably the last year is probably when it's actually become at its peak, Don't Stop Living. Um, and that website now, it sort of runs itself. I'll just put up a few articles. I'll put up like probably one article a day. Um, as long as I can get online, I can put up one article a day and it runs itself now. I don't actually need to do too much um, extra with it because I'm happy with the format. 
of the website and I'm happy with the readers and the way people interact and the way I just write my stories. I can write what I want on there. I've got the freedom to, to, to do it, you know. I can write good things, bad things. Um, and I, I can just go on there today and write anything I want that's related to my lifestyle or travel and people will read it. So it's got to the point where um, I'm quite happy with that. But I wanted to do some more stuff because one website is cool. Uh, it'd be nicer to have a few more websites. So I opened up a few more websites in the last, probably in the last two years. Um, and two of them I'm concentrating on this year, which are um, more niche websites. One's related to China and the other one's related to Northern Ireland, where I'm trying to do a bit of promotion um, for my own country now. So um, so Don't Stop Living has opened up the doors um, for other online business. And whether it's marketing, advertising, or sponsorship, um, I'll I'll be looking to work for myself online and um, make enough money through multiple websites and you know different projects that I'm trying to get off the ground at the moment. Yeah, so go check out that blog. It's don'tstopliving.net. It's the uh, longest running one man travel blog covering seven continents. <laughs> That's it, Danny. Yeah, I had to have a tagline, you know. People, um, people like tagline. I guess my days working in PR, um, sort of, gave me that idea for promotion. Um, yeah, you have to differentiate yeah. yourself somehow, right? That's true. Yeah, uh, so seven continents are on there, so it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, a personal story, um, but it's got go, some cool information. Yeah, and if you go on that blog, you'll learn how to do things like uh, get a broccoli farming job in Australia. And <laughs> Um, what are some other articles on there that you recommend people check out? Um, some of the Antarctica stuff. Uh, my most common asked question is how to teach English in Hong Kong. That's the number one at the moment. So if anyone wants to teach English in Hong Kong, I've got all the information on my website. Don't email me about it unless it's not covered on the website because it probably will be covered on there. So basically I have all the visas, uh, different types of jobs you can get, um, all that sort of stuff um, is on there. And yeah, people can just use it as a travel resource for visas, border crossings, food, best bars, you know. I like to go and have a pint. So if people want to know a good bar in Macedonia, you can probably find it on my website. You have over 1,600 articles on there, I believe, right? Yeah, something like that. Wow. So, so if somebody wants to find something, they just go to don'tstopliving.net and then you have a actual search bar on your sidebar so you can just search for anything. Well that's true the search bar might be the easier way um, <laughs> if it's individual countries most of them are, are listed at the top um, okay. some might not be but um, but yeah have a look around and if anyone wants to email me or contact me you can obviously you can do it via Facebook via Don't Stop Living or also just email johnny at don'tstopliving.net Awesome Johnny thank you so much for being so open and also so generous with your time uh sharing everything that you have and sharing your journey with our listeners. No worries. It's, uh, it's been amazing. And, um, you know, best of luck with your projects. And I, I hope that uh, your listeners and readers out there enjoy it. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll meet for a beer somewhere along the way, Danny, in the next few months. Who knows where we'll be? Definitely. Thank you so much, Johnny. Cool, mate. Cheers. Cheers.